have this ridiculous and audacious belief that the God who loves us wants to speak to us. The God who's for us, not against us, has a book out. And his book is full of divine revelation for our hearts and lives about very particular and personal and ordinary things. That this God knows you and loves you. That it's no accident that you're here even in this building tonight, even if you think it might be. Because God is a God who orders our days and our paths and not like a puppet master, but like a good father who, who knows the best path for us. And we have this audacious belief that, that this God has a word for us. And so God, we, we invite you. We invite you to speak clearly for your servants are listening. Amen. Well, contrary to popular belief, I am incredibly youthful. And um, I will continue to dress exactly how I want to dress in any given moment. And I'm really excited about entering my 51st year um, because I've learned a few things. I've learned a few things about me and I've learned a few things about God and I've learned a, th- a few by, by, by making mistakes and by not understanding stuff. And every day is a school day in the kingdom of God and uh, I'm, I'm believing for the next 50. I'm still preaching when I'm 100 and I'm still wearing skinny jeans. <laughs> Maybe at, at, that, at that point. Um, and I'm excited to teach tonight because the teaching tonight is very, very simple. And I hope profound. And the reason I'm excited to teach something that's very simple and, and I hope profound is because that's exactly how Jesus taught all the time. It's very simple. You know, when Jesus taught, he told stories. The, the, the scholars will describe him as a metaphorical theologian. In other words, he told stories. He, he, he invited people into a world uh, that, that they might think, well, aha, that's... I get that. I've seen that. I understand that. I'm with you because God wanted to expose something of who he was and what it feels like to follow him all the time he's doing that. And so tonight we're going to deal with the first of Jesus' parables, his stories. And we're going to take a look at what that might have to say to our lives. And so open your Bibles if you have one. And if you don't have one, um, borrow one. Look over someone's shoulder Um, we're going to read from Mark's Gospel and chapter 4. Mark is in the New Testament, which is kind of three quarters of the way through the Bible, uh, to the right, and uh, it starts with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Mark is is the eyewitness account, almost certainly, of the Apostle Peter, who is Jesus' best mate. So this is, and, and, and the Apostle Peter is incredibly blunt. He just says it as he says it as he says it. And, uh, and Mark writes like that. This is very fast-paced stuff. And so Jesus starts to teach. Here we go. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. This is Mark 4. Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and set it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. 
he taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so they didn't bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It grew up and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Then Jesus says, he who has ears, let him here. So Jesus is very simple, incredibly profound, and a, a little enigmatic. <laughs> he who has ears, let him hear, let him understand. What Jesus is saying is there is this thing called life. There is a life essence that comes from the giver of life, and the life essence is called good news. It's the news of who God is and what God is all about and how much God loves us. It's the news of who you are and how you connect to this God who made you and created you and has a plan for your life. It's called the news of the kingdom of God. It's called the purpose of life. And it's not just available for us, it's crucial for us. Because you will not live unless you're given life. You will not live with purpose unless you're, you, you live in the purpose of the one who gave you purpose. You're a creation. He is the creator. This thing is the meaning of life. This thing is fulfillment in life. This, this thing is the reason of life. And Jesus describes it as a seed. Here's this seed. It's the seed of the kingdom of God. And it sounds like a pretty pitiful thing. It's a small, organic thing. It, it surely couldn't make a difference. But this small, organic, pitiful thing changes everything. A seed. It's small and fragile. But it can change a field more profoundly than dynamite ever can. And a seed doesn't come with an explosion. It will wait for an invite. But when this seed comes in fullness, Jesus says, when this seed comes in fullness, families and finances and fears and futures are radically transformed. It's the seed of the kingdom of God. But it's just a seed. And here's the weird thing. The parable that seems to be about a seed isn't actually about a seed. It's about soil. And it's about your soul. It's not about seed. It's about, it's about soil and it's about your soul. It's about the soil the seed falls into. It's about your heart and my heart. It's about hearts that are receptive to the message of the kingdom of God. It's about how receptive you are to who God is and what God is doing and what God is saying and how that can make a difference in your life. So here's the question. How is your heart? How is your soul? Is it well with you. One of my um, favorite verses of scripture, and I think it might be my life verse, is found in Proverbs 4, 23. And it says this, above all 
else guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Now, when God says above all else, it kind of gives you a warning to pay attention to the next bit of the verse, doesn't it? Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Isn't, isn't it strange how we in this world guard almost everything else apart from our hearts? We guard our houses, we guard with insurances, our cars have alarms, our holidays are covered, we are insured to the, to the hilt, we're protecting absolutely everything, we have passwords for everything that we can never flip and remember, and, but our hearts are exposed. We give our hearts away, we give our hearts to people, we give our hearts to things, we expose our hearts and we damage our hearts. How is your heart? Because the condition of your heart will dictate the fruitfulness of your life. The condition, the receptivity of your heart will totally dictate the fruitfulness and direction and power and significance and happiness and peace and purpose and joy of your life. And now, I, I used to teach this passage of Scripture, and I tell you exactly how I would have taught this passage of Scripture. I would have said, this passage of Scripture helps us understand why many, many people can't respond to the message of Jesus, even though the message of Jesus is so life-transforming, so obviously true, so, because it resonates with our hearts that there is something more. It resonates with our minds that there is a creator who is beautiful and different. It resonates with everything that we understand, that, that, that we're seeking and searching and needing something. But why is it we see so few people responding to Jesus? Well, you know, some of the seed falls on a path and, and, and it's hard and culture is difficult and culture tells us that it's ridiculous to follow God and believe in God and God might have a book out but it's a load of nonsense and it's restrictive and, and, and so the seed doesn't ingress in any way, it just gets snatched off the surface. Or, or, or the seed falls on, on soil which has bedrock and I would have told you that in Israel, most of the soil was pretty fertile, but there was a, a, a huge bedrock underneath most of, the, uh, most of the land in Israel, which meant that the seed couldn't go very far down. And it meant that as soon as it started to grow, it started to wither because it didn't have roots. And I would tell you that, uh, that so many people don't go on with God because they don't allow the work that God wants to do in their innermost life and heart. They won't allow it. It's painful and difficult and God wants to point out stuff not because he's a killjoy or a bully but because he's a good father and he wants you to know that that's going to damage you and that's going to hurt you and many people just don't want that. And I would have told you that, 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 that sometimes the soil falls in cluttered soil. It falls in thorns and, uh, and bushes and weeds and, 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 and people start off in the Christian life but there is so much stuff around in our world, isn't there? There is so much noise there were so many choices. You know, back in the day when I was really young, as Naomi points out a few years ago, you know, the choices were much simpler for us. How many of you are kind of my age? There you go. See, so you totally offended everyone in the room. Just want you to know that. We, we are young at heart. Our hearts are good. But you see, when we were growing up, choices were not, the, 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 was not as difficult as they are today. You know, your choice of coffee was instant, 
or tea, which was builders. That was it, tea or coffee. Now it's flipping macchiato, caramel, thingy, majiggy, whoopy, whippy, different milks. You know, I don't even know. I mean, the barista is the hardest job on the planet now. And teas, I haven't started with teas. Rubus. I'm going to get rude. It's not going to be good. But you know, you know, choices are difficult today. And there's so much noise and so many choices. And I'm, I have FOMO about so many things. Because I'm going to miss out. And people are having a much better life than I'm, I'm having. And, and life just becomes so, so driven by what everyone else is doing. And we're comparing ourselves. And, and this is what a good life looks like. And it's mostly nonsense. But it drives our hearts anyway. And, and the soil just gets suffocated. And the seed dies. And I would have told you all of that. And I would have said, that's why people don't come to faith. That's why it's really difficult. What I've begun to realize is this. This is actually about my heart. These, these four soils are four conditions of my heart. And sometimes they're four conditions of my heart in one 24-hour period of time. I hope this makes sense. So nine o'clock in the morning, I have a hard heart. Just letting you know, before I've had coffee, just black, Americano, none of the whippy cream stuff, I'm, I just find it very difficult to respond. And, and 12 o'clock, I have a shallow heart sometimes. Because superfi- I have a superficial, I've just got to get my jobs done, I've got to do my job, I've got to speak to people, I'm blasting through life and I'm ignoring some of the things that God's saying to me because I'm just, I'm just skating on the surface because it's the only way I can survive and three o'clock in the afternoon I've got a cluttered life because I've had a hundred emails and I've got ten people asking me questions and I don't know how I'm going to survive and I've got no idea how I'm going to get home and all these things are going on in my life and I have no time for Jesus and no time for what God might be saying or doing or the person in front of me. And maybe... By eight o'clock in the evening, when things have calmed down and I'm listening to the still, small voice of God, I might have a fruitful heart. It's a work of God. And it's a work that God wants to do in my heart and your heart. You see, fruit doesn't come by working fruit up. The fruit of the kingdom of God doesn't come because you work really hard at it or because you're really good or because you attend every meeting or because you read your Bible every morning or because of any of those things. Fruit comes because God, who loves you totally and has a great plan for your life and knows you completely, begins this work of transformation in your heart that you let him do, which sees transformation happen all around you. It's a work of the of the heart so some of you have got hard hearts I don't mean to be mean it's just in the Bible the challenge the challenge of course is is that this heart and this soil is present in me every time Father God speaks to me and I allow the enemy to rob me of what he said does that make sense? every time God drops a seed on the ground, but my heart is my heart is hard, and, and I, I, it doesn't ingress anywhere. And I allow the enemy just to take it from me and steal it from me. Every time I've allowed my heart to become hard, because they hurt me, 
because you hurt me, because I'm fearful of what might happen, because I, I, I won't trust again. I, I am hard. Life, is, life has hardened my heart. Life has taught me to have a hard heart. Church sometimes has hardened my heart. Bad relationships have taught my heart to fear. And if I allow that to happen and don't allow what God wants to do in my life, I have a hard heart and the enemy just snatches away everything he said, the Father God says to me and everything the Father God wants to do in my life. It's snatched away, the seat. Turn to the person next to you. Say, snatched. It's a great word. I'm being serious. This is interactive preaching. <laughs> snatched. Don't have a conversation about anything else. Get snatched by the enemy of God. Why, why does it get snatched by the enemy of God? Listen very carefully. It gets snatched because the enemy of God knows that hard hearts can easily become soft hearts in the spirit of God. And the bound hearts can easily become free hearts in the spirit of God. And the enemy hates that and doesn't want to allow it. And so as quickly as possible, if your heart is, heart is hard, you'll snatch that away from you. Have you ever had anything snatched out of your life? You know, it started off so well, you had a dream. And it got robbed. It just got snatched. You had a vision of what could be. You showed up at university thinking, I'm going to go for it. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to live in a way that's going to make a difference. I, God's got me for a purpose. And, and then, then life happens at you. And people happen around you and just gets snatched before the seed has a chance to grow. How's your soil? How's your heart? And, and, and then Jesus says, some of you have, have got seed that fell on rocky hearts, rocky soil. This is so important because, because the transformation God wants to do through you and all around you has to first happen in you, otherwise it's never going to happen through you. So God is always wanting to do a deep work in your heart and life to bring about healing, to bring about transformation, to bring about truth so that you fully understand who you are and what you're for so that you can minister that, if that's not too Christian easy word. You can minister that to people all around you. Listen, the Spirit of God is a heart surgeon. And he wants to mend some stuff because you got busted and broken. And you cannot get through 20 years on this planet without getting some busted and broken in your life. You can't because someone said something they shouldn't have said. Someone did something they shouldn't have done. Someone looked at you in a way they shouldn't have looked at you and you didn't achieve the thing that you thought you could have achieved and someone just did something wrong because they were just human and, and it hurt you and busted you. God, the Holy Spirit, wants to tend some wounds even this evening and do some heart healing. And, and he also wants to cut out of you some stuff that is dangerous to you because his agenda is, is, is for you to become the best you you can be and he totally knows what that is because he made you so he says that, 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 that attitude is incompatible with who I am and what I have planned for you and if, it, if I allow it to stay there it's going to damage you so this is going to nip a little bit do you know when the 
doctor says that, and they're about to inject you with this huge needle, what do they say? This is going to nip you or sting you just a little bit. Never true. Hurts like hell. It's going to, ah, oh, back. And I think sometimes the Holy Spirit says, this is, this is going to nip a bit. But it's going to save you from a whole bunch of pain and a whole bunch of stuff. And you know, many, many of us, those of us who say we love Jesus, never fully grow in our walk with Jesus, never become who we could be, never make the difference that we could make because we're unwilling to allow the Spirit of God to take a scalpel to our stuff. I don't want, I'm 50 years of age. I'm done. You know, if I've got some dysfunctions, I'm just going to live with some dysfunctions. It's just who I am. It's what I carry. I'm broken in a broken world. No, that's not good enough. God wants to do some cleaning and some healing and some pruning. Because every day is a school day. And I'm supposed to look like Jesus. How is your heart? And then some of you have cluttered hearts. Probably most of you. I'm not being rude. It's in the Bible. The, the, the land had been cleared on the surface, but the thorns hadn't been cleared and the seed is choking to death. Do you know, sometimes it feels, it actually feels like your life is being choked to death by culture. Do you ever thought that? You ever feel that? The stuff coming at you all the time. I said it a couple of weeks ago, you know, when I was growing up, and this is like reminiscent lane. I, I was growing up, you know, I, I had a number of friends, but maybe I had 250 people I referenced in my world. They were the people that I was comparing myself to. You have six billion people you are comparing yourself to every single moment of every single day. It's, it's suffocating, isn't it? It's choking the, what you have to be and what you have to do and what people think about you. Uh, th- Jesus names these thorns. Notice this. He says, the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. He says, these, these thorns are the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. It's easy to get worried, isn't it? How many of you just even today have had a moment when you, when you felt worried about something or anxious about something? How many of you are not going to put your hands up, whatever I... You're just worried, you know? Because, and, and I don't mean debilitating anxiety or panic attack. I mean, there's, there's a moment when you just get worried about something. And Jesus says often in the Bible, don't be anxious. It's, it's not just a suggestion, it's a command. He says, you don't need to be anxious in this world because I have you. But Jesus says, you know what? We'll rob you of life. The worries of this world... Worry is about finances. Usually worry is about something in the future that will not happen. You ever thought that? It's usually worry about something in the future that, you, that probably will not happen. But you spend most of your time worrying about that thing that's not going to happen. It's robbing you of what is happening right now. Jesus says the worries of this world will suffocate the God life in you. And the deceitfulness of riches. You know, the acquisition of the new thing, the shinier thing, the, 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 the bigger pay packet, the, 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 the house that's going to make you happy, the garden, the forever home or whatever it is, or the, 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 the guy that's going to make you happy or the girl that's going to make you happy. Do you know, ultimately, these things don't make you happy. These things, if they become the drivers in your life, will rob you 
of life. See if you're worrying about stuff that is not yours to carry and chasing stuff that is not yours to own. All through your university life and all through the rest of your life, you will miss out on your life. I'm going to say that again because you could probably write that down and you could probably tweet it. It's probably 140 characters. See, if you're worrying about stuff that is not yours to carry and you're chasing stuff that is not yours to own, all the time what you're doing is missing out on life that is yours. And we all do it. How is your heart? How's your heart? You see, God is not a bully despite how some people portray him. He's, he's not a bully. He's not about to invade your life and destroy your stuff. He waits for an invitation. And the invitation is an available heart. How is your heart? And then Jesus finally talks about fertile hearts and fertile soil. Some of you... He's talking to you right now. Listen, they're the ones that hear the word, understand the word, and produce a crop. In other words, they're the ones who say, Jesus, you are the authority of my life. I am going to stand the weight of my life on the belief in my heart that there is a God in heaven who loves me and he has a better plan. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to stand the weight of my life on culture which will change, on traditions which will alter, on, on reason which, you know, I'm going to change my mind, or on feelings because my feelings will lie to me. I'm going to stand the weight of my life on who you are and what you have said and what you're doing because you are God. And I'm going to live my life like that. And I'm going to say, God, would you produce a crop? I open my heart. Would you produce a crop? 30, 60, 100 fold. Let me tell you what this looks like. And then we'll land the plane and we'll pray. It looks like life. It looks like life for you. Full life for you. And life for other people around you. That's what multiplication growth looks like. It looks like contentment for you. It looks like space for you and for those around you. It looks like purpose for you. Real purpose. You understanding who you are and running with the dream that God placed in your life. And purpose for people around you because you release people. You free them up. It it, it looks like being loved by God and loving people created in his image. It looks like communities being blessed and served. It looks like schools being supported. It looks like the NHS being encouraged by deep-hearted people. It looks like streets being cleaned up by deep-hearted people. It looks like healed people healing people people. It looks like business becoming totally radically different in our city because God got hold of people's hearts and and people let God get hold of their hearts. It looks like kids being parented uh, as well as they possibly can by by deep-hearted people because people said, I can't do this, but God, you can open my heart to you. It looks like students coming to this city and finding Jesus in this city. It looks like students coming to this city not for what they can get out of the city but but for what they can give to a city 
It looks like a changing of a consumer attitude that says, look after me, feed me, entertain me, do good things for me. And says, how can I contribute who God has made me to be into this place that God loves? It looks like living for more than a party and a qualification and a future life partner. Ooh. (laughs) Although those things are pretty cool as well. But it looks like more than that as they tended to their soil. So here's the question. Do you want a harvest from your life? Do you want a harvest from your life? Do you want a 30, 60, 100 fold harvest from your life? Do you want people and situations to be different because you lived and didn't let it get suffocated? Do you want to Live full and die empty. Or tend to your soil. Your heart just needs reminded. Your heart just needs reminded of whose it is. So that's the sermon I wanted to preach. How do we respond? I think if you, if, if you identify with a hard heart because you've got a thousand questions and you never let anyone close and you don't let God close because you've been hurt before and it's just really difficult, the prayer is, Spirit of God, would you reign on me? Would you soften my hardness? Would you soften it? Because here's the thing, I can't reason you into a good place. I can't. But the Spirit of God can soften hard hearts and change dark situations. If you recognize yourself as having a shallow heart, here's the prayer, it's a dangerous prayer. Break my heart, God. Break it. Take me deep, God. Come, come be God in every arena of my life. Come, come rule. I'm not going to segment my life off anymore where, where, where you're God for Sundays and holy things and, and, and good things. But when it gets difficult and tough or when I want to have fun, you're not God anymore. I become God again. Come, come, come break my heart. Break my heart shallow heart make it not about me make it not about me make it not about me it's not about me make it about you and everybody else and then if you have a cluttered heart here's the prayer Nikki Nikki and I have some land and uh, we have some nettles and some brambles. And there are parts of the land that you don't go in. Um, but one day we'll get to clear the whole thing. And I, I'll tell you what we need when we get that. We need a rotavator. Do you know what a rotavator is? It's like a really mean machine. It turns, turns the, whole, the whole thing up. has spikes in the bottom. And, and I think the prayer, if you have a cluttered heart, is, Spirit of God, would you rotavate my heart? 
Would you clear it? Take my rocks out. Take the thorns out. Because the Spirit of God knows about rocks. Because the Son of God was buried under one. And the Spirit of God knows about thorns. Because the Son of God wore some. Rotivate my heart. Well, you get rid of the crap. I don't need it anymore. It stops me following you. Because I know whose I am. There's only one variable. Only one variable in this. The farmer is good and he spreads seed. The seed is amazing and will free a nation. But the soil is on you. And so as some of you start a university life and some of you come back for another term and, and some of you at the beginning of a new year, I love this time of year. I love new starts. I used to sharpen pencils and have new paper and so nice. As you start, God, would you do a new work in me? He waits for an invite. He's looking for a heart. He's dreaming of a harvest. Let's pray. Just before I started to preach, um, I had a very clear um, impression that God was saying to one or two of you something very specific. I see you, I know you, and I've got you. I see you, I know you, and I've got you. And I've got no idea what, why that's important, but I know it's very important for some of you. I suspect that some of you have come in here today thinking I just feel anonymous. I feel like I don't know what the future holds. I don't know where I stand. I'm all at sea. I don't understand it. And, and I think the Spirit of God would say, I see you. My eye is on you. And you know, when he says that, it's not a, I see you. <laughs> it's, I see you. My eye is on you. I love you. I'm for you. And you can trust me. You can trust me.